2: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of Brighton Rock podcast. With me, Russell Diver, with my regular partner in crime of the uh, podcast airwaves, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter.
1: Hi, Russ. How
0: are you doing? Yeah, good. I'm good. I'm um, particularly good because we've got a very special guest with us um, today, making his debut. He's shaking his head in modesty there already. Um, it's the Thinking Man's Media Tart, you could call him. It's <laughs> Kieran McGuire. How are you, sir?
2: <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very good. I'm, I'm enjoying this quite ridiculously warm weather, uh, like everybody else. And Wondering whether the phony war in which we are presently in, in terms of the uh, coronavirus and the damage it's going to do, is, is going to get worse or better, like everybody else, I
0: guess. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky times, isn't it? We'll have to see, and we'll, we'll get into some aspects of that mode no out during the pod. Um, what I wanted to do, first of all, before we get into the excitement of uh, what you do for a living and um, your podcast, I wanted to mention, first of all, Oh to ask you, in fact, a couple of questions about your Albion story, because you never get a chance to really talk about your Albion supporting in a great deal of detail, and that's what we're here for really. So how did it all start for you?
2: Um I I, I was I was living in Chelmsford with my mum and dad, and my dad worked for American Express in London. Of course, when they, they moved to their European headquarters in in Brighton. Um so we we went across. Um so I I moved to Wooding Dean in seventy three but my, my old man didn 't like football, so I was desperate to go and fortunately one of the neighbors took me um so that 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 was it and it was I, I was at school at Basvik you know, when it was still a, still a, a school before it became the, the, the grand, before it became the sixth form college fully. Um, so, you know, the Albion used to train on our playing fields because they didn't have necessarily particularly good facilities themselves at times, and it, and it was just glory years because it was it was the Peter Ward year, years, it was the Nobby, it was the promotion, and so on. So I just got swept up in it. Um, so even though I've I moved to Manchester in 1980, um, I used to go to Old Trafford and Main Road because you could it was 30p to watch those those two clubs in those days uh, as a student, but realized that it, it wasn't the same um uh, you know going to these glamorous places i I just missed the albion um so just just been following them like like everybody else it, it's part it, it's it, it's not the football it it's everything that surrounds the football for me uh seeing seeing my mates who have been you know known for 45 50 years is is the best thing and uh you know, too many promotions, too many relegations to uh, forget and remember. But you, but the great thing is, if if I if I listed the ten greatest moments of my life, six of them at least would involve Brighton over Albion, because that's that's the impact it has on you.
0: Yeah, and the, and the things you do when you become an Albion fan or a football fan in general are um, all these those, those things. It's a cliche now, isn't it? But the sort of the sights, the smells, the sounds, funny scenarios, odd things that have occurred things that you would, would would look incidental to an onlooker. Uh, but if you're engrossed in the occasion, they can be very poignant memories, can't they? And um, did you have those as well? Did you have the Green Bay's pitch, falling in love with moments and that sort of thing?
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that first trip to the Goldstone, sort of earning your spurs in the North Stand, um, Hereford, Doncaster, the return to Doncaster, we, Whilst there have been moments which have almost reduced me to tears, um, that's made it greater, the experience that we're going through now. And, and, and anybody that whines about you know being in the Premier League, being at the Amex Stadium, I, I just shake my head at them. It's, it's For me, it's beyond contemplation. It, uh, we, we've, we've, we've stared into the abyss and I've, I've been grateful ever since.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Peter, as well, but um, I feel very privileged to be a fan of the Albion because it's that club that I think straddles the lines, doesn't it? It's in between um, having the, the, the pits of despair. We've had relative glory, you could say, up mm-hmm. to a point. And we've had a lot of, as you've mentioned, Kieran, rollercoaster ride scenarios and promotions and relegations in between. It's never a dull moment being mm-hmm. an Albion fan. And we we can appreciate both sides of the coin, can't we, being in the Premier League
1: now? Yeah, it's the terrible, the terrible games where you go, where we are through 3-0 somewhere, or we'll get beaten at home by Walsall, who we had nine men for an hour or whatever, that make the you know the glory days so much better. If you kind of if you win all the time, it'll get boring, I think, after a while, surely. It's kind of like, not that I'd ever get used to it with Brighton anyway, but generally, I think it'll just get a bit boring.
0: Yeah. Well, you just expect Kieran, to win the league. I recall meeting you, you probably won't remember this, but... um. It was a pre-season game at Oxford, the Kassam Stadium. We we're no doubt both deciding to use the excuse to tick off a ground from our list. I subsequently, from having a conversation with you and I discovered you've been to a mental number of games, or grounds, I should say. Um, I think at the time you told me you had been to 140 grounds or something like that. And that was quite a few years ago. Was that, is that correct recollection of mine? And if so, how many are you on now?
2: <laughs> um, I, th- I think you've got the numbers wrong, because I've done 117. Oh, okay. Um, maybe but, it was a few the
0: time then. Maybe, yeah. yeah
2: it's perhaps, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's becoming more difficult, uh, and you're left with that dilemma these days as to how should you tick off. And yeah, have, have I got too old for, for that type of nonsense anyway? Mm. Uh, to me, if if you go to a ground and it's not with the Albion, I find it difficult to count. Because uh, I remember a, f- a few years ago when we were playing in the Championship, uh, I think we were playing away at Blackburn. The match got called off about an hour and a half beforehand and, and everybody said oh, let's just go to Accrington yeah, so, so, yeah. <laughs> or stay in the pub so we stayed in the pub <laughs>
0: that's definitely the kind of thing you do Peter
1: isn't it yeah well we've actually I really we we were at the same uh, uh, they up there at the same day and I think it was literally we're driving getting to Blackburn station and he got and looked at the phone it's like oh the game's been called off and we debated the same thing and in the end we went to the yeah, went for a drink instead <laughs> it's a bit like yeah. and I've tried to go to Accrington since to see Barnet and that was called off like Half an hour before kickoff of the torrential rain, so I'm still not with Bathington.
0: Yeah. Well we're we're both in the mid eighties of the ninety-two club, although I've been to about 130 grounds altogether, including past and foreign and so on. But um have you done the ninety-two or ninety-one as we probably call it at the moment, Karen?
2: No, no. Um there are randoms that I that I haven't me. I've not done Stevenage, yeah. for example. Flea- I've, done I've not, not done Morecambe. Yeah. Um mm. and, and it's I mean I, I, I've been t- I was teaching at Lancaster University earlier this year so Morecambe was just really around the corner mm. and, I, and I did debate at times but it, it just feels not quite right if you go there without the Albion it, it's not the it's not even the emotional thing it's uh I, I'd love to do as many grounds with my team as I can mm. because that that's the Albion is, is football for me
0: yeah absolutely here, here. and um, moving on to um You mentioned the the north of England with your uh, university exports. You were living in, I think it was in Manchester, wasn't it, for a number of years, um, but teaching at Liverpool Uni. Is that that, all University of Liverpool? Is that correct? Um, Yeah, I
2: I started off at uh, Manchester Met, which is the old Manchester poly. And then uh, Liverpool headhunted me seven years ago to uh, do the football finance for them. Um, Even though I'd never taught football finance, I, I just blagged it.
0: So your background was in accountancy, chartered accountancy, was it something like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I worked for uh, Grant Thornton in, in Worthing uh, for 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 a year or so. But I was I was living with my mum and dad. couldn't afford Couldn't afford to rent by myself in Brighton because you know what you know what Brighton prices are like. So so I went back to Manchester and uh, st- stayed there. I mean, I, and then six months ago. Uh, we we moved back to Sussex. And we're now in Heathfield. Our granddaughter was born. Um, that was that that was the excuse I told the wife. But actually, it was the Albion that that drove me back, because <laughs> sort of yeah, you know, sort of tra- traveling from Manchester to Brighton <laughs> at least once a fortnight. You know, for for all those years was it 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 does <laughs> it, it, it is yeah. quite a trial.
1: Although at least you're well placed for a lot of away games and there's so many great teams in the football league in Greater Manchester area. It's like Know, relatively well placed anyway for so many of them
2: oh yeah i mean M- manchester is it's 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 an amazing city uh i love it to bits uh, I, I miss it in many reg- many regards it's it's pretty cosmopolitan um you know it, it, from from a sporting perspective and from a food perspective and a music perspective i, I think it's probably the best city in the country for, for those particular elements combined
0: yeah, I always enjoy a weekend away in Manchester for the football and mm. meet, meeting mates and various other things. Great city, I have to say. Going to fully endorse that. But you're the man to know who you've been living there a number of years. So, but it's good to have you back in uh, Sussex. And um, that implies we're in Sussex. We're not. We're in London, but um, you know what I mean. <laughs> Down south, shall we say? Um, so yeah, going on to the um, the week's news briefly. If we touch on that before we get on to the football finance stuff, and um, we've had phase two training approved, haven't we? Government ratification for the season to start and start dates put in place for the 17th of June for the games in hand, 20th for the uh, for the regular schedules. What's your take on that, just as a fan in general, Kieran? Um Do you think it's too early? Is it the right time to give it a go? Um, I, I think I'd,
2: I would sort of reached a position of indifference to a certain extent, um, but as soon as those dates were announced that was it you know the adrenaline was flowing once more um it, it's it's probably appropriate to, I've, I've, without wanting to sound too political i think if we if we were eight or 10 weeks behind germany it wouldn't look too clever uh, i can understand some of the players having reservations with regards to health issues uh, given you know ultimately this is this is a global health crisis Um, And and we're sort of, you know, there's there's a lot of financial pressure, and and that's what's driving football coming back. It's it's not Mm. it's it's not sporting integrity. It's money, Um, and I think the players are aware of that, and and, as everybody else, if if they're honest with themselves. But yeah, I'm I'm desperate to see the Albion again, Um, even if it's going to be on television. It's it's better than nothing.
0: Mm. It's a strange one, isn't it? I think the narrative shifted a little bit, hasn't it? As time's gone on, I think people have have expressed sort of a detachment from things it's, a, it's a, sort of like a slightly surreal feel to the whole thing um but also as you said wedded with the notion of a, a sort of a sneaky bit of excitement that's coming in now
1: isn't it to know that football could be back again but it is Even, weird though i think to if you think about it the fact we're probably going to see half of next season behind closed doors as well from the sound of it or which is part of the reason i'm a little bit more detached than I've, well, i would have hoped to be. because if it was like if i knew we were coming back in september and we'd be playing in front of crowds i'd be probably more kind of excited about starting again now. But because I know we're probably going to be a long time before we kind of actually can go to a game. And I, when we get to the first game against, I'm well, assuming it's Arsenal, I'm probably sure I will be kind of the normal kind of like shouting at the TV and kind of... But yeah, until then, I think maybe almost it's... It does seem an extremely short schedule as well from somewhere I read. It's like almost like two games a week for the rest of the season, which is... Mm. And also there's FA Cup games. So I think our potentially our second game could be called off the FA Cup but I'm not sure when that's going to be replayed. because we have got Leicester, I think, on that. Based on some of the suggestions I've seen, it would be Leicester the second weekend, and they're in the FA Cup still, so it's, it could be quite tight, you know, kind of fitting that many games into that short space of time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Arsenal having a game in hand, they're going to play before they play Arsenal. Mm. It could work one of two ways, couldn't it? It could warm them up enough to help them with the game against us, um, if that is that first game. Um, or it could tire them out, so they're not going to be fit Yeah. Too. But in right. Germany,
1: certainly in Germany, t- teams have tended to get fitter into the third or fourth game, and they yeah. look—it looks more like games. So yeah,
0: yeah. And they had that week between the first two games as well, which are two easy ends, did Which is uh, obviously going to help. Um, well, it's been the anniversary—the of the playoff weekend, hasn't it? When we the one and only triumph in the playoffs—that was happy memories. Uh, Leon Knight, night night with his penalty conversion, very nonchalant. Dick Knight ending the cup and other, other fun and games to be had on that day um that was one other thing but um one thing that's come up to do with the albion this week in the news i don't know if you've seen this kieran as well the telegraph are reporting rumors of the albion trying to trademark the word albion uh, which goes back well i think something like um two millennia doesn't
1: it though the, the Long, longer word. than the club put it that way yeah. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a poetic old name for the great the great brick as a as a collective and um, it's been used by a number of sporting clubs including obviously west brom and burton who the rumors are we going to collaborate with to try and get trademarking on but there's a number of other clubs with that name as well what's what's the stance on that and is there are there any connotations from your professional standpoint as well kieran that you can see um
2: yeah it's, it, it, this is got sort of uh repercussions from from an intellectual property p- perspective i think the albion are keen to preserve their rights uh, you know we, we see people selling you know the half and half scarves and things of that nature outside the ground. Um, and I, I i i think the timing's poor by the club if 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 i'm honest uh you know given that we are in a global health crisis given that you know hundreds of people are dying every day i, I think it looks looks a bit petty at at this point in time. Uh, Having said that, Manchester United have just done something very similar. Um, They are suing Sports Interactive, who make Football Manager... For, use, uh, for misuse of the words Manchester and United, which, of course, uh, has provoked uh, merriment in Manchester because I think there's another club called Manchester something or other up there. And uh, as Sheffield United fans have pointed out, they were in existence before Manchester United. So, therefore, how Manchester United can claim the rights to the word United uh, is a problem. <laughs> Liverpool have also taken an awful lot of stick, um, wh- where I work in, in Liverpool itself, for trying to trademark uh, the word Liverpool. Um, and I think they've been knocked back on that. So, so this does seem uh, a, a bit of a sideshow, and, and we don't know how true it is. You know, it's, it's a report in one newspaper. Um, I, I thought it was just a bit weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. We should stress that it is only rumoured at the moment. Um, but the Liverpool one was very odd, wasn't it? It came in for so much criticism, and it seems so odd, being given the name. I mean, you could understand it if it was Everton, because that's not a place. It's just the name of a team affects me, as far as I know. Um, but Liverpool itself, obviously, is obviously going to be conversations with the city. Then it it's never going to, it's never going to work, is it? Very strange scenario. Very strange. But um, there we go. Um, well, we'll wait and see what happens on that one. Um, incidentally, I notice you've got a bookshelf behind you, as you often have when you're being uh, filmed, Karen. <laughs> probably not a what I'm going to say bookshelf. That. Yes. I'm looking to see if I can see any copies of Viz on your shelf. <laughs> Um. Okay. Yes. I heard, uh, I'm, uh,
2: well, well, I think I think, I'm, I, think uh, I, I think my good good lady wife has actually taken them all down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did have uh, one of the more uh, saucy uh, Viz uh, cartoon characters, and I, not, and I am a uh, I, I'm a contributor to Viz. I've had thirty before writing my own book. My only uh, ever appearance in a publication was thirty one entries in the Viz Profanosaurus, which is the dictionary of innuendo, smut and swearing. Um, so yeah, I, I was doing news at 10 or Channel 5 News or something like that. And uh, I, I had one of my viz annuals behind my shoulder and, and somebody complained about it. And um, uh, Ofcom insisted that a uh, uh, an apology was given by uh, ITN. And uh, I, I got told off. Uh, and again, well, hold on. This is, this is in fact, one of the to me, it, it's a great British institution. It's a bit like Private Eye or something of that nature. It, it, it's that, that British knowing seaside sense of humour. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was quite cross with them in a way for, for backing down. I'd have told the person that complained that yeah. they don't understand British culture.
1: People, people have got too much time on their hands if they're really complaining about that sort of thing. It's like so pathetic.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Saw, I saw one guy on Twitter, I think it was, um, it might be the guy who's the Bromley Boys, who'd, who'd uh, arranged a whole load of his own book. On the shelf just loads of copies of the same book which I was quite funny as
1: well <laughs> <laughs> one advantage of being on a podcast is you can't be told off uh, especially when we <laughs> we haven't got millions of people across the country listening so we kind of we yeah. can say we can uh, say what we want about uh, publications certainly, and anything it like does help
0: yeah well Kirill we, we had the pleasure of your company um, for seagulls over london for which we are coming to you in association with for this uh, podcast um it was great to have you up there and a really entertaining nights was had by all um, in it you described a number of things which we've also heard in another form on your podcast which started it about a, pushing a year ago wasn't it now uh, it was, i think we
2: started mid-september yeah, yeah um yeah yeah of
0: course the price of football we're talking about um an excellent podcast i have to say i am very much like your cohort on your podcast kevin david layman um, when it comes to these sort of things really don't matter isn't my strong point. So it's made an unfashionable subject quite interesting and fascinating for people like me. So I think you've done a credit where it's due, you've done a good job there. And um, I don't know, Peter, if you get a chance to listen to it much yourself and what your views are I've as well. A
1: couple of times, yeah, it's really interesting because it's a side, yeah, football maybe for, for a long time wasn't really talked about, certainly in a way that people can... Yeah, kind of relate to and that sort of thing. But actually, it's a really interesting side sort of football, given the, current, the way current clubs behave and that sort of thing a lot of the time. And yeah. I know you, I mean, you tell us you go to London, you're not universally popular with some clubs in uh, some situations.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it it's, it, it, it surprised sorry. me. I, mean, I, I, I
1: honestly thought,
2: I, mean, I, I, I was approached uh, just over a year ago to sort of do something similar um do, do a pitch for the to the bbc and i and i said I, I just don't think i'm the right profile um and that that got turned down because the, i was i was the wrong this that and the other for the bbc at the time um so we one of the guys from the bbc then said well let's let's just do it ourselves um and at the time i was living in manchester and we were going to approach justin morehouse to be sort of the the presenter and i just sort of fill in with numbers um but I was planning to move down to Sussex at the time um I've always liked Kevin's work you know, I thought I always thought he was a really uh, good presenter he was on match of the day too I also remember that when we were uh, up to our neck in it he, he did benefit gigs for the Albion with Stephen Grant you know and somebody that's prepared to put aside the the the, the silly the silly side of the Brighton Palace rivalry um so I did, he didn't even know I was an Albion fan because I, I thought, well, we give this a go; it will die on its ass after two or three episodes. We we'll never meet again, and he doesn't need to know that I support the Albion. So I, I kept that side of uh, myself completely silent. Mm. But the show has exceeded expectations to the extent that we're we now doing two shows a week. Um, we we do a listeners' show which comes out on a Monday, and we've got a ridiculous number of um, letters. That we've now got as a backlog, and we're answering questions from all over the world, so Latvia, Brazil, Australia, uh, wow. plenty from the states and so on. And I think' we're, we're averaging now about thirty thousand downloads per episode, which wow. is, is, is ludicrous for you know some some teacher talking about his spreadsheet. It, it, <laughs> I, I can't quite work out the popularity, um, and, and every time we think that we, we've not going to have any material for an episode football inevitably throws up something um at, at the last minute and uh yeah i, I spend a night uh not sleeping sort of trying to put together the the research for it
1: yeah yes, we've I mean, been amazed has- how much content there is for football even with uh, obviously no, not being any football we've not really struggled for if anything we've had mm-hmm. too much to talk about generally in the football world you know obviously it's different so it's just general football talk that sort of thing but yeah. it's been yeah there's been so much to talk about even when we've not been watching it for three months
0: yeah, and I'm a regular listener, religiously listen to it. And um, I've noticed a lot of the calls you get or the, the emails you get for um, questions seem to come from the aforementioned sort of layman characters, people who are, who just want to know something of, of interest. They don't have any expertise. They're asking you. Um, it's never Kevin. It's always you, isn't it, Kevin?
2: <laughs> yeah, he gets a bit upset about that.
0: <laughs> but it's understandable. Fair enough. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there always seems to be questions. And I think things are moving around. And it, goes, it moves into another year. You get a new set of accounts for every club. So I suppose there will always be things to talk about. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, great. it's great stuff. I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, speaking of Kevin, I, and I've got to say, I do find it immensely funny. He's constantly trying to bait you, isn't he? There's, there's two things you can, <laughs> you can guarantee on the show, apart from questions about football finance. One is that he'll mention Palace in general. And secondly, that he'll try... Try as hardest to bait you with some anti brighton stuff, and it never works. I have to take my hat off to you if I was wearing one. Um, okay. You are um, remarkably restrained. <laughs> How do you do it?
2: Well, I, I, I take the view that I'm in conversation with a professional comedian, so where therefore when it comes to dealing with heckles and put downs, um, you know, it, 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 it'll be a bit like me trying to impress Ronaldo with my keepy-uppies. So, <laughs> Therefore, by not reacting, um, he it it sort of means that he he has to go and simply go on to the next question.
0: Yeah, so it's it's playing to a a silent room rather than a heckling room, which maybe is worse, I'd imagine, in his line of work. (laughs) But he does seem a good guy, and um, we should try and get him on this show at some point for a bit of banter, I reckon. (laughs) Yeah, he's
2: he's he's a genuinely um, he's a genuinely lovable bloke. Uh, you know, I've I've got to know him and his family, and, and I know about his circumstances. And the more I get to know him, the more I I find is is his decency and his his moral compass is uh, is is something which I think most people in Brighton would would align with. Um, yeah, he, he does an awful lot of work which he he never mentions for for good causes because he's been through some tough times in his life and he's never forgotten the, you know, the things such as the NHS and, and other institutions in this country, which were there for him. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. I've got nothing but admiration for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, from Palace fans, I've met through the years, um, outside of the context of the, you know, baiting each other in a the ground they've um, all, all been pretty lovely guys, actually, all girls. And they've been, Almost disproportionately nice people which is <laughs> slightly aggravating almost isn't it <laughs> so I'm, I'm motivational. but um, it's fair play to it and, and Kevin's good you're great on the show and long may it continue I say. Um, speaking of price of football you've also had your book out haven't you um, which I think was released late last year or was it earlier this year? Well Some yeah the,
2: the The publishers cleverly uh, launched it on the 16th of January just in time to miss the the Christmas market um, which I thought was very clever of them. But uh, I, I was quite fortunate. The book, the book was released at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and there's a chapter on the book on Derby County and some of the unusual things that they do in their accounts. And at four o'clock that afternoon, Derby County were charged for financial mi- mis- misbehavior by the EFL. And I was thinking, well, bloody hell, they, they, they've read that book quickly to, to pick <laughs> up on it. Um, so yeah, the book the book has sold very well. It's uh, it is now officially a bestseller um, in Amazon sports books, and uh, I, I don't make money from it. Um, all, all the royalties go to uh, the Trussell Trust, which is a, a food bank charity. Um, I, I felt that you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still have a job. Um, there are people who are in far worse circumstances than me, and if, I, if I've never received uh, a royalties check, I'd never miss one. So therefore, by sending all the uh, royalties to uh, to a food bank it's it's helping people who are you know it, their circumstances are far worse than mine um so that's sort of yeah you know, that's why i plug the book as much as i can and people say you know i'm doing it for vanity i'm not i'm, I'm trying to do it for it for you know something a bit bit more uh, a bit more ethical than that
0: yeah that's good to hear and fantastic Fantastic course. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly recommend um, people check that out. I'm going to. I haven't actually got a copy yet, but I've got a birthday coming soon. Wink, wink to the wife. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, um, certainly check out the podcast as well, guys. It's certainly worth it. Um, if you want to hear about temporary ownership of, or temporary running of sex shops, um, Brazilians in Latvia are asking about Saudi owners of Sheffield United and all sorts. <laughs> it's quite a mix, isn't it, you've got on there? <laughs>
2: Yes, I, I think we, we try to... I mean, that, that's the advantage of working with a professional such as Kevin. He, he his, his ability to pace the show, I, I think, really makes it. Um, and I just talk nonsense about numbers, but uh, it, 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 it works. And I think part of the reason why it works is that we, we do have a genuine respect and affection for each other, even though we've only known each other a few months. Hmm. Uh, he's just a thoroughly good guy.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of finance. I um, wanted to steer the conversation next on to dear old Albion. Um, what can you tell us firstly about how we've transitioned from, we've, we've been in the Championship for a few years pushing to get into the Premier League, that that sort of final sequence of seasons to get into the Premier League through to, should we say, the lockdown, time of the lockdown. How are we looking at that stage, first of all, before we get into talking about what Covid's done?
2: Um. I I, th- I think if we had not been promoted in 2017, um, there would have had to have been uh, a major reconstruction at the club financially. Uh, what what had happened? You know, we all we all remember that that day at Middlesbrough, and um, the trip to Hillsborough a few days later when when the players were playing on, you know they're playing on fumes, weren't they? It was quite evident. I've ne- I've never known a side have four injuries before in in less than an hour. Um. I think Tony Bloom and Paul Barber deserve an awful lot of credit for persuading the players to say, just, just give us one more chance, give us one more year, and then you're free to go. But that that side would have been dismantled. Lewis Dunk would have gone. Uh, Anthony Knockart would have gone. You know, and things of that nature. You know, I think we would have had a, a substantially less capable Albion. Um, had we not been promoted in 2017 we we were losing a lot of money and and that's why the side would have had to be dismantled simply because they would have had to have sold players to have kept within financial fair play limits so so they went for broke Um, you know Tony knows how to play his cards right fortunately for everybody and and it worked out Uh, but certainly we had lost we'd lost effectively 100 million pounds in the spread over the four previous years and things weren't looking great uh, yeah. Not not from a could Tony afford it? You know, no, nobody knows Tony's wealth, and actually, it's none of our business. You know, people keep asking me. I said, well, actually, it's, you know, if, if he's prepared to write out the checks, then then you know, just just be grateful. We're we're very very fortunate to have him at the club. Um, but from a financial fair play limit perspective, we were we were right at the edge.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and um, it's it's a brutal division, isn't it? The championship. It's one of the highest attended. It's one of the most competitive, the most exciting, but it's also well—it's just evil from a financial point of view, isn't it? It's just so brutal. And um, whether it's our friends Derby and others like them who are trying to overextend themselves, selling grounds and so on, um, or whether it's people that are trying, as you've mentioned on your podcast, clubs like Barnsley and Rotherham who've tried to work within their means, see if they can black the way to survival, and unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to work very easily, does it? That's that's not worked too well for them. They've they've had to resort to being yo-yo clubs. So difficult times. I think we're glad we got through and got into the Prem. But since we've been in the Prem, what's, uh, what's the situation now on the financial side for the Albion from what you've seen of our financial reports up to date at least?
2: Well, I, I, I think I think there's, a, there's some myths about football and one of those myths is um, the reason why Premier why Championship clubs try so hard to get into the Premier League because it will make them rich and it doesn't. Uh, in, in the first year, in the uh, in in the Premier League, we made a twelve million pound profit now that was good. It was the first profit we 'd made uh, in in a decade or more um, but our second season we, we lost twenty odd million. Um, I think we were budgeting to lose something similar this season and and those losses will be considerably higher as a result of uh, covid nineteen so you know again you know, God bless the man uh, Tony bloom's still having having to write out a check for four or five hundred thousand pounds a week every week and and he does that without complaint he his ownership model I, I think is is the right one that of a benevolent dictator uh you know he is first and foremost an Albion fan he is secondly an, an incredibly smart individual um and, and on the back of that he has uh he's been very successful in business um and, and we have been the beneficiaries of that but uh it, it is scary to think that uh, if, if we go back to our last season in, in uh, with Dean, we we generated seven million pounds worth of income last year. It was one hundred and forty. So yeah, it's it's gone up by a factor of twenty, um, and we're still losing money.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? And um, I think the other question I was going to have was really to do with um, if the um, COVID situation hadn't happened, if we disregard that, do we get? Um, through another season or two and be able to get into a levelling out period? Because um, I've noticed from your show today, we're recording this on a Monday, and your recent episode of uh, Price of Football from today, quotes Palace as a club that's been in the... Our friends from the wrong side of the A23. Um, as being a club that's now been established for... What, is it seven years? It's going to be an eighth year. Yeah. And their middle bracket in terms of their finances. Um, how would we compare to them, for example assuming we can survive this season's shenanigans on the pitch?
2: Um, I I think our losses will be broadly comparable with those of Palace. Um, To to, to give Palace credit, what what they've been able to do, which we've not really uh, been overly successful at, is um, they've been able to take players that they've recruited and sell them at high prices. So... uh, Palace lost 100,000 pounds a week. Um, no sorry 100,000 pounds a day last year for 364 days of the year and on the 365th day they sold Aaron Wan-Bissaka to Manchester United which wiped out those losses. Now that's like you know, that, that that's like playing blackjack and twisting on 20. Um, you know he, he's he's a good player. When, certainly, when I've spoken to Kevin, uh, he says, you know, good luck to the lad." They think they got a ridiculously good price for him in, in the sense that he's he's, he's very fast. He, he clearly he's got room for improvement. His defending isn't brilliant, but he's is as a as, as a as a, as a fullback that goes forwards. He, he is very good, and he clearly he's very quick, and he makes uh, uh, he makes a lot of very uh, impressive tackles. But uh, you know, if, if you listen to Paolo Maldini, Paolo Maldini said, I never made a tackle in the last six years of my career. I just positioned myself in the position in such a way that I never had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly that's something that Wambasaka will, will develop. Um, and, and that's where Palace have been. And theirs is an interesting model. Um, I, I think the Albion operates to a pretty tight wage budget um, under Tony and Paul. Um, and that means that there's no, there's no superstars Uh, as such in in that dressing room yeah they're all in a relatively tight band it's all sort of all for one one for all whereas at Palace you've got Sacco, Benteke, Zaha who who does deserve it and Max Meyer all of whom are supposedly on um, over a hundred thousand pounds a week and and then the rest of the squad are on um, pay packets of substantially less now that's not a problem if you deliver so, so there's no resentment towards Wilfred Zahar, and I know he's, I know he's our bogey man. Um, but you know, if, if you took the, if you took the top ten best players outside of the top six clubs, yeah, uh, you know, Wilfred Zahar would be in them. And and, and I don't think we, you know, it would be it'll be petty and churlish to to say otherwise. So he's uh, he, he he keeps them up. You know, he's he's their he's their golden ticket every year, and and he keeps delivering. Um, I, th- I think. The advantages that the Albion have got in terms of the investment in the academy we've got a, a, a tier one academy palace have only got a tier two uh, in terms of the training facilities th- that will start to generate a return but we don't know when um, but you know sometimes investments do take a long time to to generate a return um, you know we, we are we are starting to see that with you know clearly you know Lewis has come through Solly I know he came from from Lewis rather than uh, the Albion itself but he, he is one of ours uh, we're starting to see some of the players come through the youth ranks and um, that will allow the Albion to offset their losses through player sales in due course you know, Ben White I think is a perfect example yeah, I, I hope that he's playing, for, you know, I, I hope that he and Lewis Dunk or he and Adam Webster will be our first choice centre half pairing next season you know, but of course Shane Duffy will no doubt have something to say about that and rightly so
1: The interesting one about the Palace model is, of course, that you're relying on keep bringing bringing those players through. Because I saw some stat that they're like the oldest or second average age wise. There's like the second highest this season of all the teams. So they're starting to lose maybe. For years, they've brought through players, but maybe they're struggling a bit now. Obviously, they've got Zaha, they could probably suffer quite big money, but they've not necessarily got many others who people would pay the sort of money that would then, you know, Babon Bisaka was the one probably recently.
2: Yes, yeah, and, and I think Palace fans will acknowledge that themselves. Um, if, if you take a look at their signings, um, IU was has actually been a really good signing. Yeah, he's that, that, that striker who will get you eight to ten goals a season for, for peanuts. Um, they signed Gary, Gay, Gary Cahill, uh, Cahill, and uh, I think he's been superb for them. You know, and, and the reason why Palace are is it 12th in the table at present is because they don't concede goals. They're, they're very good at maintaining clean, clean sheets and they've got, they've got a tight defence. They've got a good goalkeeper. Um, Cahill, I think, is is still an excellent centre-half. And, and he's no spring chicken. But if they get two seasons out of him, then they get two years in the Premier League, then you know, it, it's job done.
0: Hmm. And that's the balancing act as well, isn't it? Having a solid enough team, having one flair player like Zaha that can really make the difference. Yeah. Do you stick or twist? Do you sell? If you sell, how much for? Do you take the risk? It's a difficult one, isn't it? When, you've, when you're when you one of those middling clubs that could easily sink in. It's uh, it's quite a tricky balancing act for any club. And I guess we're in that bracket as well. Hopefully we can survive this season. We'll see what happens. Um, we're in strange times with the, whatever happens with the rest of the season. We've had COVID and all that's gone with it. Plenty of spoken about that. What do you think in terms of the Albion's finances, Kieran? Um, what do you think this is going to do to them because Paul's obviously said we've resisted the urge to furlough anybody etc etc but what sort of uh, impact is this going to have do you think say for example if we can get back to a full season of some sort next year what are we looking at here?
2: well I I think I think the Albion and all the other clubs of the Albions link of ilk. You know, who, who who are our competitors? Our competitors are Burnley and Watford, and yeah, you know, probably Palace as well. You know, clubs of that nature, Bournemouth, and whoever comes up from the um, the Championship this season. Um, we will have relatively little money to spend in the transfer market, but nobody's going to be spending money. Uh, because there is no money to to spend, and also, um, if you are looking for, for, for players to sign, somebody will be in a far worse financial situation than the Albion, and therefore we'll be able to to leverage on that position and, and get. Uh, you know, if you think about when we uh, signed Florin Andoni uh, here the here the, in the in La Liga, it was a a buyout clause of about sixteen million. We got him for five because his team had been relegated. Well, I, th- I think there will be equivalent bargains to be made. So long as fans don't start getting into a huff because we've only spent you know fifteen or twenty million this summer, that's if we do spend that amount, and I, and I think that would be yeah that would be high. Um, then then I think things should be fine. Uh, yeah, I, mean, and I think I think we've got a good chance of staying up this season because of the way that we have been recruiting players, mm-hmm. um, and the reason why I say that is that because because clubs are allowed to make five substitutes, it actually, those clubs that have got A stronger squad and I think we've probably got a stronger squad than necessarily our our first 11 we've got lots of players who can interchange you know I look at our bench at times I'm thinking wow that bench looks amazing the fact that five of those can come on for any match you look at some of our opposing teams I think that might just give us an edge which people really haven't uh, taken into consideration
0: the the other thing I find interesting is you've mentioned a couple of things uh, there category one status for the academy and you've mentioned Ben White. Interestingly, Ben White technically I think is back with us, isn't he now? Um, is it or He will be by the sometime into the, se- the resumption of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him, Leeds and us, in terms of whether we uh, agree an extension or whether we whether we actually play him this season. Because um, I'm not sure if he qualifies age-wise for the non-25 nomination um, element. But um, I'm wondering if he can he can take part this season. Uh, an interesting twist if he does
2: yeah he, he's he's 22 so i don't think he qualifies um yeah. but but what are the rules for the rest of the yeah. season we are, we are living in um extraordinary times should there be any further relaxation um you, you know I, i've got friends uh, my, my my stepson's a, uh, a lead season ticket holder um uh, and and the, he says well he's, he's the best center half at leeds since rio ferdinand and that's pretty mm. a pretty good in, good uh, endorsement
1: yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens in terms of that that sort of like players are like on loan or out of contract like a few Charlton players have said today they won't be playing including their star striker Lyle Taylor because he's out of contract in the season if he signs somewhere oh. from 1st of July the question will be whether they're allowed to play for his new club from 1st of July or it's still the same squad thing so it'll be interesting especially if they're in the championship as well and they play Charlton Charlton might be pretty upset about that if they then play against him in a game.
2: Yes, yes, and and I think once again it brings this uh, this concept of sporting integrity, which is the biggest load of hogwash I've heard in my life. To be perfectly frank with you, it, you know, truly into question. Um, Lyle Taylor is perfectly entitled to walk away from Charlton on the thirtieth of June. Um, yeah, you know, and and I, and I like Charlton. You know, South London club. I, I was born in South London myself. My uncle would trials for Charlton, so yeah, you know, I've always had a bit of an affection for the place. Um, but he's 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 a young man in in a in a profession which has short careers. Mm-hmm. He's got to do what's best for himself. Um, because if if he if he if he plays for them in July, uh, breaks a leg, does a cruciate, and so on, no, nobody's going to be paying him money in September.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, that brings me to the biggest question of all, Kieran. I know if you've got another, you're very busy schedule. You've got another one in 15 minutes. Have you got time, this is the big question, to do a quick quiz? Uh, if, if it's quick, yeah, yeah, sure, by all means. Okay, I'll fire through this. What it is, just to quickly explain, it's 10 straight questions, and then there's a who am I round. Um, I won't dwell on it anymore. We'll fire straight on. It's general football knowledge. There's some Albin stuff in as well. Ready to go? Absolutely. Okay. It's going to be then. embarrassing. <laughs> well, we'll see. See how you do. Um, who is the first goalkeeper to score a goal in Premiership?
2: In the Premiership? So are we? By that you mean post nineteen ninety two?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's going to be one of the obvious names if that helps. I
2: will go Peter Schmeichel.
0: You are correct, sir. Good right. start. And they lost the game though three two to Everton. Yes. Andy, yeah. yeah. Um, what is Luton Town's nickname? The Hatters. Oh, I see, you're doing all right. Not bad so far. Nathan Jones, of course, back with Luton this week and causing some controversy. Yeah.
1: Right? Popular move. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, right. What is the? And you'll know this as a groundhopper, probably. What was the name of Colchester's former ground? Layer Road. Oh, he's on the fire so far. Great stuff. Three out of three. Question four: Who is the only player to win a, a Premier League Golden Boot? Having represented two different clubs that season. This is a trickier one. Oh. It's early days of the. Um, I think it was early days of the Premier League when it was called the Premier League. Can't remember the year.
2: Alan Shearer.
0: That's a good effort, but it's um, it's not actually. No, it's um it's Teddy Sheringham for Forest right. and Spurs apparently. All right, not bad. That was a tough one though. To be fair, All right. Question five. Um, who is currently the most expensively acquired defender in the world?
2: Virgil Van Dyke.
0: It's not. It's Harry Maguire. Your name's oh Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I thought you'd get that. There's a Manchester yeah. thing yes, going yes, on yeah, there. Too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I
2: should have got that. <laughs>
0: that was poor. That was poor. Oh, never mind. Never mind. We'll, we'll put it down to time constraints. Um, right. Which nation was the last to win a European Championship on home soil? So, internationals, European championship on home soil. Last nation to do so. It was a while ago, actually. France. Correct. 1984. Four out of six. Okay. Bayern Munich play at the Allianz Arena in Germany. But who play at the Allianz in France? Another tough one. This I didn't know this until I discovered the info the other day.
2: Um, Marseille.
0: Good effort. But it's, um, it's Nice, apparently. All right. Okay. There we go four and a seven on to question eight and this is where we get into the albion questions um from which efl club did albion sign matt clark max clark matt matt clark these oh, matt clark. on, on loan at derby at the moment we signed him from a different efl club to so that we not did. too far from home
2: um it was pompey no.
0: Spot on, correct. Five out of eight so far. Michael Robinson sadly passed away on Tuesday 28th of April this year, having had an illustrious career as both a player in England and a broadcaster in Spain, where he had also finished his playing career. Can you remember which Spanish club that he brought the curtain down on those playing days with?
2: Right, you have to excuse my pronunciation. Is it Osasuna?
0: Yeah. I yep. think you're correct, both in the answer and the pronunciation. <laughs> right, happy with that. <laughs> not bad. Not I,
2: bad. I, I met Michael last uh, last September at a football oh, conference. Did? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was a very affable guy. He was very honest about where he was in in terms of his his illness at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was yeah. I'm old enough to remember watching him and playing for us, and I did yeah. ask the question, "Why did you pass?" And he just said, "I was knackered." <laughs> so, you know, was...
0: there's a theory he owed him one for owed Smith one for having nabbed his goal in semi as well. But, uh, there we yeah, are. yeah, no,
2: no, I, I think he, he says, "No, I, I'm, I'm a greedy player." You know, I, I was, I would, under normal circumstances, I, I didn't have enough effort to shoot myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there we go. If only moments is agony, isn't it? Okay, right, moving on then. So you've got six out of nine so far, a decent score. And moving on to the missing link round have question 10. Who is the next player in this sequence? Hazard, that's Eden Hazard. Um, Mares, Conte, Sulla, and then blank. So I'll read that again. So it's, it's Hazard of the Eden variety. It's Mares, Conte. Salah and then most recently, blank.
2: Uh, Virgil Van Dyke.
0: Yes, if you keep saying Virgil Van Dyke, exactly
2: push- yeah. If, if, if <laughs> it's, keep repeating myself.
0: Spot on. Yes, it's of course the player of the season, isn't it? I think it's yep. the PFA player. Of the year. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good, good, excellent. So that's good. Seven out of ten. We move on to the Who Am I round to finish mm-hmm. off. I'm going to give you five clues. Um, if you get it on the first one, five points. Second one, four points. Etc. You might be able to get this quite quickly. We'll see how you do. So, who am I? Hey, I was born in Belfast in May 1946. I was a top-level winger over in England. George Best. Spot on, sir. Yes, well played. You are correct. Yeah. Notice the past tense as well, of course. Uh, no longer yes, with us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You you might have got it on the other clues. He was discovered by a scout of a famous northwest of England club, Bob Bishop who's telegrammed to the legendary manager of that said club, said, I think I found you a genius, apparently. It's a great quote from Wikipedia. (laughs) Um, He also said that, um, well, he signed for the club in 61 and stayed till 74. He also played for Fulham and Bournemouth later in his career. And then there was a reference to his alcohol problems and tragically dying young at the age of 59. But uh, no, you got that on first go. So five points added to your total, 12 out of 15, that puts you ahead of Peter. He's he's looking oh, disappointed. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Peter. You, <laughs> you are, I believe, in second place. We had somebody on fourteen, which was a ridiculous wow. score. To be fair, but that's, I think that's commendable. You haven't embarrassed yourself, Kieran. Um, so you've, you've given a good account of yourself there. Thank I you. Think that's a good, you're in a hurry on. as well,
1: and you couldn't do it. You couldn't really think that long either. So very impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so good work. Well, Kieran, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, thank you very much for your insight. We hope, could we have you back on at some point in the future? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm always happy to talk, Me. Great stuff. Fantastic. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll get some football back soon. And we'll have some more finance to talk about, and no doubt, in due course. If you haven't already picked up on it, check out the Price of Football podcast. is absolutely excellent. As it's all, on all the main platforms, isn't it, for uh, podcast access? And there's the book available at all good online bookshops, I'd imagine, as well. <laughs> yes. What
2: well, What is a bookshop?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Kieran, thank you very much for joining us. I thank you for the forth. invite, guys. Much appreciated. Cheers. Okay. All the best. Cheerio now. Cheers.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land
2: Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?